Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Great good afternoon to you and yours. A Chamber of Commerce Day on this Wednesday, April 19th, the year 2023. I hope you're all having a wonderful, a wonderful day. And uh, thanks for joining us in whatever form or fashion that you have. As we come to you each and every day, Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 p.m., where my Main man, my producer, James Mesh, inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head west, you'll find KLCJ, 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming everywhere. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And in Acadiana, you can also watch us on television as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines. Well, it was a big night for the Raging Cajuns as they beat the LSU Tigers 8-5 to last night in Alec Box Stadium, collecting 14 hits on the day. Of those 14 hits, the Stars' Connor Higgs went 3-for-4 with two runs batted in, one coming off of a home run. Heath Hood went 2-for-5 with two runs batted in, another home run for him, and Will Valon went three for five with two runs batted in. You get 14 hits, and then you get pitching from Carson Fluno, who got things underway, but the star of the night was David Christie, who went six innings in relief, gave up three hits, only one run against what many call the best offensive lineup in baseball. Here is David Christie talking about his outing on the mound. No, you know, I just came in to help help Carson Fluno out, and he got in a bit of a jam there early, and I knew I just needed to get the first guy and start from there, um, fill up the zone, and I knew if, if I'd fill it up for as long as I could, my guys would make plays, and they made it really easy on me tonight, and I didn't have many strikeouts, but I figured throw it over the zone, make them earn their way on, and as long as they earned everything they got, I'd be fine with whatever happened. I love that. That's a great attitude. I love it. With the win, the Raging Cajuns RPI rose 13 spots to 64. So that was huge to say the very least. Speaking of huge, Matt Deggs talked about the huge achievement for his ball club. Yeah, Coach Herb Brooks, you know, great moments are born from great opportunities. And this was, this opportunity doesn't get any better. And, uh, you know, that's one of the better ball clubs I've seen in years over there. And uh, they've got a little bit of everything. they got a lot of everything. And uh, they're, such a, they're so well coached and uh, play the game the right way. 
I, I knew we would have to, to come out and do some uncommon stuff. And we watched the uh, Rich Strike video before the game and uh, the 80-to-1 long shot uh, to win a derby. And, you know, he was one for seven in his races with three show, two shows. And uh, the point was, you know, these guys had won 12 straight midweek games. And, uh, you know, a lot of them by double digits. And, and the, we had a choice to make tonight. We could be uncommon, uh, like Rich Strike, or uh, we could come in and follow suit like everybody else has done. And these guys answered the bell and rose to the occasion. And it wasn't just one guy. I know it was a tremendous outing by David Christie, but Fluno gave us a great start. Coop did his thing at the back. And I thought the hitters were just just that. They were nasty tonight. And uh, we were able to run our offense and create. And we left some guys out there, and so uh, which is never good against this, you know, a group like this that we were playing. So uh, I'm happy for the boys. You know, what what a underdog story to be as banged up as we are, and uh, you know, we, we don't have Jew out there, and Debo and Toit would have come in handy, and you know, preach is is barking uh, to come out and and be able to beat the number one team in the nation on the road is a, a it's a huge achievement for this group. Huge achievement. They earned it fair and square. It is, you can't eliminate the emotions that Raging Cajun players and fans have when they play LSU. It is a big to-do. No question about that. And Matt Deggs understands it, and he knows. He, he definitely knows what that win last night means. I know what this game means inside of, of our program and I know what this game means inside of Cajun Nation, inside the city of Lafayette and so is the biggest game of the year there's absolutely no doubt about it and I told him uh, winning this game has a chance to cover up a multitude of sins <laughs> that, that you know that, that we've uh, you know that, that's just kind of transpired lately uh, just not great baseball but you know, like Rich Strike, man, you're never out of it. There's 21 horses in front of him, and he just kept running. And run they did to the finish line for a uh, a big-time win. Um, it is a big deal, and congratulations to the Raging Cajun. You should stick your chest out, be proud, be happy, and all you Cajun fans, get out there and tweet and peacock and do do all you want to do. Live in the moment and enjoy the moment because you earned it. And, and that's, that's terrific. To LSU, it's a midweek game. They're moving on. They got to go play Ole Miss. They have far bigger goals in hand. Always have, always will. Doesn't mean they slighted UL. Uh, if you listen to Jake Johnson yesterday, he talked about how good this Cajun team was, fastest team he's ever seen, uh, complimented them left and right. It is what it is. Uh, so congratulations, the Cajuns get it done, and they should uh, peacock all you want. That's terrific. Uh, one day after landing seven-footer Will Baker from Nevada, Matt McMahon went back into the portal, landed Santa Clara guard Carlos Stewart. Stewart's from Baton Rouge, prepped at Dunham before signing with the uh, Santa Clara Broncos in the 2021 class. Um, last season, he averaged 15.2 points per contest, 
He was the Broncos' second leading scorer. He'll have two years of eligibility remaining. So he joins fellow Louisiana natives, uh, also from Baton Rouge, Jordan Wright, who played at Dunham and came from Vanderbilt. Jalen Cook, who went to Walker High School, came to LSU, transferred to Tulane, now back at LSU, as well as Will Baker from Nevada. So that's three quality transfer additions. Uh, they'll be joined by fall high school signees Corey Chest from Branson, Missouri, and Mike Williams from Cumberland, Maryland. Back um, on the diamond, boy, I tell you what, a team that's really, really hot. McNeese took care of LSU softball last night, uh, winning four to three. Um, McNeese is now 33 and 12. 15th ranked LSU is 34 and 11. What makes it even more impressive is that LSU jumped out to a three zip lead. And then the Cowgirls just came storming back thanks to a two run homer by Emily Phillips. And then two innings later, McNeese took a 4 3 lead with a single, an error, and a passed ball. So um, congratulations to McNeese. Tough night for LSU baseball and for. LSU softball, but um, these are huge moments for the in-state schools going up up against the school with all the money, with all the facilities, yada, 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 all the television deals. So it is a huge, huge to-do. Um, speaking of the portal, we mentioned yesterday that Kim Mulkey and the national champion LSU women's team uh, were hosting Haley Van Lith of Louisville, the five foot seven point guard. Um, who averaged nearly 20 points per game this season. She wears pigtails. Uh, she kind of looks like a younger Kim Mulkey, and she would be an immediate replacement for Alexis Morris, who just went off to the WNBA. Um, I don't know if she's going to come or not. She's got two years of eligibility remaining. I'd be stunned if she did not come to LSU. And if she comes to LSU with that recruiting class and the players that are coming back, Number one seed heading into the NCAA tournament for sure. At least one of the four number one seeds. Uh, and we will progress onward from there. Pretty, pretty good stuff. Um, NBA action last night. Boston Celtics took care of business as expected uh, with a 119-106 win over the Hawks to take a two games of zip lead in their series. Cleveland. Even things up with the New York Knicks with a 107-90 to win. The big story there was um, Darius Garland, who was quiet in game one, exploded for 32. And then Karis LeVert with 24 off the bench uh, in that one. So that series is tied at a game apiece. And the Suns, even their best of seven series with the Clippers, with a 123-109 win Last night in Phoenix, uh, Kevin Durant much more uh, assertive with 25, but the story was Devin Booker with 38 points in 45 minutes of action. 45 of the 48 minutes, Book was on the court, knocking shots down. Chris Paul with 16. Went five scores, all five starters for the Suns in double figures. So our lineup today... Uh, Grant Hughes will join us at around 2.30. We'll talk about um, 
these NBA playoffs, which are, uh, I mean, when you when you think about it, it's all about injuries to key players and the suspension of Draymond Green. We'll talk about that with Grant Hughes. Chris Roseverglue will join us at hour number two. One of our Saints reporters um, get his thoughts on the upcoming draft uh, with the Saints and where he sees them going. And then Michael Huguenin will join us. Um, Mike is on semi-retirement now. He is no longer with On3.com. He's kind of taking it slow and easy. He's had a long, long, illustrious career, but he's going to keep on joining us. He still stays very, very close uh, to the game. We'll talk about some of the spring performances to date. Talk about LSU spring game coming up on Saturday and more and more and more. So that's the docket for today. Phone lines are open. Uh, the game hotline, 337-706-0111. If you want to sneak in a call, 706-0111. Raging Cajun fans, this is your chance to peacock. If you want to call and say, hey, look what we did. You deserve it. And I will welcome it when we return this is the Jordy Holtberg Show. We'll take our first time out of the day. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat-screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we're back. It's uh, 18 minutes after the hour. Uh, 337-706-0111. 706-0111. Give us a holler. Let's see what's on your mind. Now, LSU was back on the uh, practice field yesterday uh, ahead of their Saturday spring game. We mentioned that Mason Smith, the defensive tackle, with so many expectations and everybody saying he's just going to be a big-time player. And the NFL written all over him. He returned in full pads, was a full go, working with um, his fellow defensive linemen in drills during portions of the practice that were open to the media. Um, look, he got hurt in game one and that was a big blow, uh, that ACL tear. Uh, so can he stay healthy? Uh, we shall see starting safety. Greg Brooks was back from a sprained ankle as was fellow safety. Matthew Langlois, uh, defensive end. Deshaun Womack was back as well. Missing linebacker, Greg Penn tackle, Brian Langston, tight end Mac Markway. Um, John Jancic, the outside linebacker coach and special teams coordinator, um, had some things that he mentioned. He listed wide receivers Greg Clayton and Kyle Parker, safety Sage Ryan from Lafayette Christian, running back Noah Kane as potential return men. 
Corey, that was a weak link for LSU last season. How many years in the past with some of the great return specialists that LSU has had in both the kickoff game and the punting game? Um, boy, LSU was so effective at flipping the field. They didn't have that last year. Um, one player to look really heavy into is the Alabama transfer, Aaron Anderson, uh, once he is healthy. Um, you got to have specialists, and Jancic had praise for returning kicker Damian Ramos. Uh, he said he got more and more confident as the freshman season went on. Um, that huge field goal against Florida, which gave LSU a two-possession lead, was certainly a good sign. He said that Ramos still needs consistency and that Nathan Dybert is putting some pressure on him. Uh, the other part of Jancic's um, hat is he coaches outside linebackers. Um, he said he liked the experience that transfers Barden Swinson and Ovi Ofo bring to the position, Ogofo from Texas. Um, so he thinks he's going to be okay. And he, he really likes Jackson Howard. He has a bright future. He said that Harold Perkins has been staying at will for first and second down packages, but joins the outside linebackers for some third down. So stop the run, stop the run, get out there and pass coverage. But when it's third and third and down uh, distance, let's go affect the quarterback. Let's go get the quarterback. He said about Perkins, Jancic did. He's a great student, never misses anything, always accountable, always on town time. So I like hearing that about uh, especially modern athletes. So that's that's good. Um, Jancic, in case you didn't remember, played for Brian Kelly at Grand Valley State, was a defensive coordinator at Georgia and at Tennessee. Um, so he's known Kelly most of his adult life. And uh, communication, that's a key. Uh, that's a big, big, big key. So uh, I think they hired somebody good, but we'll see. When, when you talk special teams with LSU football, there's only one way to go. That's up. Only one way to go. So um, we'll be ready for Saturday, and then it's time to um, see what LSU does come portal time. What's going to happen with current LSU players? I, I have no idea. If any of them are going to say, you know what, I didn't get to play. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look good for me. I'm going to enter the pool. You know there's going to be somebody. It's got to be somebody. And then that will determine what LSU seeks uh, as other players from other schools enter the portal yet again. They have until the 30th when the window closes. So uh, after Saturday, after some of these spring games, you'll see some players enter. And we'll see if LSU has any interest in them. And we'll see some LSU players enter the portal and see what that does from a depth perspective uh, for LSU. You know, because you're going to get some, you're going to want some, but some are going to leave because they're not going to be happy. That's just the, that's just the way, the way it goes. So um, stay tuned for more on that. It should be, should be pretty busy. Uh, the Zurich classic, um, Pro-Am today, Drew Brees out there knocking the ball around tomorrow. Uh, they'll start playing for keeps. Uh, one one group uh, to certainly look out for are the Fitzpatrick brothers, Matt and Alex. Um, 
they've played a lot, but first time as playing partners on the PGA Tour. Uh, Matt's four years older than Alex. Uh, Matt enters the tournament at the top of his game. He won the RBC Heritage in a playoff over Jordan Spieth on Sunday, tied for 10th at the Masters. The previous week, he's currently number eight in the world ranking. So that's a that's another team, the Fitzpatrick brothers, to um, keep an eye on. I, I he's uh, I, I like um, I like Fitzpatrick. I like this guy Sahith Fagala, a 25 year old. Um, made his first Masters start was a solo uh, ninth at five under for the tournament. So I like him. Uh, it's pretty good. 82-man teams begin the chase for the New Orleans tournament record $8.6 million. The field includes four of the top eight players in the world, nine of the top 20. Uh, so that's good. Uh, LSU All-American Sam Burns, currently number 12 in the world. So um, that is a certain fluid type of thing. So there you go. Um, 40 bucks gets you in single day tickets, 40 bucks, children under 15 get in free. So I wish I could do it, but my daughter has some, you know, my kids have things on their plate and gotta go see that. Want to go see that. So I'll miss that. Um, missed the tournament this year, but should be fun. I, I said it yesterday when we, when we talked to Doug Bell, it's just genius move by Zurich and the, the people in charge of the tournament in New Orleans to go to that partner thing, I think saved it. I think the time when they play, um, man, just two weeks after the, after Augusta, you don't get many players that want to come to a tournament, but they bring out it, it's special. It's different. It's fun. It's partners. It's great. I think they saved the tournament. I really do. Plus, man, what a great opportunity to, for Ryder Cup, President's Cup, to get some experience playing partners and four ball and all that kind of stuff. I think that's I think that's pretty cool. All right, let's take a quick time out here. I want to get to our next guest, Grant Hughes, all about the NBA playoffs. Injuries, Draymond Green. Is this thing wide open for the L.A. Lakers? Say it ain't so. Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the pr premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches in permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon. Go check out their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger you'll ever taste. And by Cajun Chef. Ah, uh, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
We're back in the NBA playoffs are coming at us fast and furiously. Three games last night with the Celtics beating the Hawks to take a two games of zip lead in their series. Cavaliers even things with the Knicks as the Suns did the same against the Clippers. Tonight, Lakers-Grizzlies game two with the Lakers leading one zip. Miami leading the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks one zip game two tonight. And the Nuggets with a one zip lead over the Timberwolves. Another game two tonight. Grant Hughes. Bleacher Report, our NBA czar, kind enough to join us. Ah, uh, Grant, it's a great time of the year, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, for the reason you said, it, it, every time we get to the playoffs, it's kind of like the a little reminder. The play-in was kind of a, uh, I don't know, an appetizer, but the intensity yeah. and the competitiveness and oh. just the stakes, the playoffs are just different. It's, it's the best time of the year if you care about the league. It is. These players are so darn good. The big story of the playoffs so far are injuries. John Morant is a, I don't know how he's going to play with his right hand like that. Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, hurts his back. Um, Tyler Hero breaks his wrist. Um, I mean, that's just to name a few. I, and, uh, I, you know, what, what team do you think is, and Paul George is out for the Clippers. Which team do you think is best equipped to sustain an injury to that type of a player and kind of hang around till they get back. Yeah, I mean, really nobody because, you know, injuries, if you kind of go back through every, you know, postseason, there's always a few that you, you'd look back and say, well, if not for this, then, you know, maybe whoever ended up winning it wouldn't have. Or maybe, you know, it's always the biggest variable that you can't predict and, and you just don't know. What's going to happen? I guess of the teams you mentioned, I mean, depending on the severity of it, Giannis Antetokounmpo was upgraded to questionable from doubtful for game two. So that's a step in the right direction. But I think probably the Bucks are the best of the teams you mentioned uh, able to, to, you know, survive, I guess. Certainly not win the whole thing. I actually had, right. had a, I remember we talked last year uh, when Chris Middleton got hurt, the Bucks, you know, second or third best player depending on how you feel about Drew Holiday. And and I decided, I thought then that, well, they, they can't win it now because they just need they need everything. So the Bucks can't win it, obviously, if Giannis is not in the rotation or, or healthy. But they can be I think they can get by the heat at least in the first round if, if Giannis is hobbled. The other those other teams are just, you know, it's it's a little more of an uphill struggle for them. I'm with you. The other big storyline is Draymond Green, who once again um I thought, and I'm dying to hear your opinion. My opinion was that the officials handled the situation properly. They gave both players, one a technical, one flagrant two, and kicked Draymond Green out of the game. I do not believe he deserved a suspension for game three. And, I mean, they're talking about his history playing a role in this. I don't agree with that kick him out of the game. Uh, they lost the game because he got, he was out and all of a sudden um, the offensive efficiency of Sacramento went through the roof. Um, but I, I, I didn't think he deserved a suspension. What is your uh, view on the subject? Yeah, I, I think I'd echo most of what you said when I saw it live, I kind of had the thought of, well, Sabonis really, I mean, Sabonis clearly has a hold of Green's yes. foot. Well, Sabonis yes. is on the ground. And I think you could make the argument, I don't know if I would, that, well, Green's just trying to get his foot out of there, step over Sabonis, 
get down the floor. And, you know, he, he had, I don't think, I think he stepped on him on purpose. I don't think that's really no debatable. I don't know if I'd call yeah. it a stomp because I think Sabonis milked that one a little bit because uh, yeah. he knew maybe what was at stake if he made it look bad. That said, you know, that's not a, this isn't the criteria for a flagrant foul necessarily. I'd say that's not a basketball play. He could have just, if, if Green had just fallen over, that's, you know, it's a foul on Sabonis and, and we're done and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so I think the officials did it correctly. I understand the suspension. I- I'm surprised too, but I think when you look at the fact that Adam Silver, the commissioner of the league, was in the crowd, and Draymond, after he gets ejected yeah. or is basically in the process of being ejected, goes full wrestling heel and is just you know barking at the crowd and amping everything up. And the way right. that he reacted was a factor. I think I think yeah. that was the league said so, and I think. I'm not comfortable with the history of unsportsmanlike acts suddenly being a factor in this either, because it never really has been before when you're talking about suspending players, I don't think. So that feels a little new. But at the same time, if you look at the whole thing, you step on a guy, you, you rile up the crowd, the commissioner's there, you do have this history. I guess it's, I, I kind of, I get it. I wouldn't have suspended him, uh, but I, I, I think the league at least has a leg to stand on part, pardon the pun, uh, with yeah. choosing to suspend there. Very, very good. Pardon the pun. That's good. Um, yeah, I, I forgot to mention that uh, the commissioner was there and, you know, you don't want to show up people and you're showing off the officials. You're showing up this. Are are the, are the warriors done with Draymond green? Is, is this it for him? You know, the, so if they're done, it's because of, it doesn't have a lot to do with this. It's got to do with his okay. contract and he can become a free agent this summer. Um, if he opts out of the last year of his contract and the Warriors, as we know, have spent, you know, way more than anybody ever on this roster. And if it is not a championship roster, letting Green walk, if he opts out, you know, sign and doing something to move on from him is definitely on the table just because you don't really have a lot of other options to make this team cheaper. Um, I just think, I think probably, the Warriors understand that this is just part of the package deal you get with him. Um, I don't think they win any of their four titles without him. Uh, they, you could say they might have more, though, if, if you know, because he probably cost them yeah. the 2016 title, uh, getting yeah. suspended for Game Six of those finals. So this is just this is just comes with it. I think it's kind of like the turnovers for the Warriors as a team. They play so loose, and sometimes they play too loose, and it's just baked into the whole recipe. So. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be, you know, the final straw. Just because the Warriors, if if they do make the decision to bust it up to circle all the way back, it won't be because of this. It'll be because of just practical financial stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, they down to zip, Sacramento at home. That place is electric. Uh, the Kentucky Wildcats of Fox and Monk. With combine yeah. that with Sabonis, uh, they're they're legit. How how worried? How concerned are the defending champs? They should be extremely concerned. Uh, I think so. I'm most. I'm. I'm. I guess I shouldn't. We shouldn't be surprised that the top, the the third seed is up two over the sixth seed. You know, even if most people pick the Warriors and to win this series, I pick them to win it in six. I that I don't think that's going to happen now. I think we just got to credit the Kings as much as anything because yeah. this was one of the worst defenses in the league, and they have absolutely 
dominated this series defensively. They're forcing yeah. turnovers. They're making Steph Curry work harder than maybe he's ever had to work to just find, you know, a sliver of space. It's been, it's been incredible. I just, I did not think the Kings had this kind of intensity and, and defense in them. And you probably credit Mike Brown, their head coach, who spent six years, the previous six years, with the Warriors and may just know what it is that bothers the Warriors better than anybody. And he's just got the Kings doing exactly that. I think, I think the, if I had to repick this series right now, easy to say now that it's, you've know, got two games of evidence, but I think the Kings probably win this series. I, I, I don't know how you could look at the first two games and think otherwise. They're just really good and they can score but you're right i think like people like davion mitchell they pick you up he, he was a great defensive player at baylor and he's still doing mm-hmm. it here in the league um i mean they just they're really good it's fun to watch light the beam it's terrific i've been in that building or the the old uh cow barn when the maloofs owned it and uh man it was it was dire dire straits but boy they've turned that thing around so that's one surprise in the playoffs what's another one to you so far from what you've seen i you know so the lakers winning game 1 wasn't a shock to me i picked i thought that series would go 7 uh i i think probably otherwise it's been kind of shock i guess I, you know i am surprised that that the heat managed to get one on the bucks um, mm-hmm. even with even with Giannis leaving that game. I just thought the Heat's offense in those playing games looked so inept that there was just no way they were going to be able to get anything going against a really good Bucks defense. That's surprising, and I'm kind of surprised the Clippers looked as good as they did in game one against the Suns, even though the Suns evened that up last night. Um, yeah. I, think, I think, you know, the other takeaway is that Kawhi Leonard is that guy still. Kawhi Leonard is oh. about as good as it yeah. gets in a playoff series. Yeah. He he is terrific. You don't you don't even hear about him during the regular season. Although last month he was pretty darn good. The other guy, I don't know when he gets in play. Call him playoff Jimmy, but Jimmy Butler come playoff time, yeah. dude, he is something. I mean, you forget. You know, he the Heat made the finals in the bubble. They were yeah. a Jimmy Butler rimmed out three in Game Seven against the Celtics for making the bubble or for making the finals last year. And that, I mean, that guy's playoff resume, Butler's, is in big games. He's, yeah, it's, I, I totally agree. He's an all star during the season, but he's like an all NBA. You know, there aren't a lot of guys you pick over him to just lead your playoff team because he, he just shows up every time in, in big series and big games. I'm with you. Um, I mean, the Lakers, I don't know if, if you know, uh, the guy from Gonzaga and Reeves from Oklahoma. I don't know if they can continue what they're doing. I doubt it. But, um, man, the Lakers look like a whole different team now. Uh, I'm telling you what, they they got a chance to go a long way in this thing. I think it sets up really nice for them because, you know, especially you mentioned the John Morant injury. I think, you know, if, if that is a real factor, and it's hard to imagine it wouldn't be. I mean, it's a shooting hand. So uh, the Lakers have look like a good bet to advance in that series. And then you're talking about you're getting the Kings maybe. And I know we should probably quit doubting the Kings, but if that's how it shakes out for the second round, you, you know, the Lakers have a decent chance there. I don't think everybody is kind of down on the Nuggets. I think the Lakers match up really well with them. I think Anthony Davis is about as good as you could do to put on someone like Jokic. So, you know, there's a real clear pathway here. It, it just all depends on the health of, of James, who's got that foot injury. 
and, and Davis, you know, managing to stay on the floor and stay effective. He seems to go down with what looks like a career ender, you know, pretty much every other game, and then he's back in the game. So that, that's, you know, it's, it's no revelation to say the Lakers go as far as their two best players take them. But, you know, you said it too. They've had a bunch of, you know, support role guys just step up. I mean, Austin Reeves down the stretch, you know, kind of won them that game in game one against Memphis. He was amazing. I'm with you. Um, if Paul George were healthy, would the Clippers beat the Suns? It'd be a it'd be a real fight. I think I probably still would have picked the Suns, uh, but I just uh, Kawhi is so good. I feel like I almost feel guilty for just not giving his team more of a chance just because he's on it. Uh, but yeah. George, yeah, I mean, I think the problem with with the Clippers is for the most part it really is just Kawhi. Whereas whereas you know if if Devin Booker doesn't have it going, the Suns still have Kevin Durant. I mean, if Kawhi doesn't have it going, then Is Grant Hughes Bleacher Report? I keep looking at the Boston Celtics and I look at their depth and I'm going, man, from top to bottom, that's the best team in the league. Do you agree with that? I liked Milwaukee a little more towards the end of the season, uh, but with Giannis being, you know, who knows uh, what's going on with his back. The Celtics definitely do. I mean, they they had the best net rating, you know, which is basically just, you know, they beat teams by the most points per game on average or per possession on average. So that's usually a pretty good shorthand for who the actual best team in the league is. Um, and you, you said it, they have depth. They can play big, small, in between. They can defend the rim. They can shoot it. They have Jason Tatum. They just, there's not, if you go looking for holes on a playoff roster, which you kind of have to do because that tends to be what determines who, you know, makes it all the way. The Celtics don't really have any. Um, they're good offensively, defensively. They just, you know, the only the only issue for them is sometimes on offense they can get a little stagnant. They can throw the ball away, but you know the Hawks aren't going to force them to do that in the first round. So, so you know they're already in the second round as far as I'm concerned. And then from there, it's just you know stay healthy because if they do, right. then they're just going to have a depth and a, an advantage in terms of different ways to play against pretty yeah. much anybody. I'm with you. Uh, Cleveland, we haven't talked about Cleveland and the Knicks. The Cleveland, even the series at one apiece, it's heading to the Garden. It's going to get even more chippy. What What's Julius Randle doing in a game late like that uh, when they're down by 20-something points? I, I don't understand it. And, you know, he, he goes up for a dunk and gets challenged and lands on his back. And, you know, I mean, what, 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 why is he in the game? Yeah, that 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 – just take him out. I mean, the games, I think Tom Thibodeau, the Knicks head coach said that you wanted to leave him in there for a couple minutes to get a rhythm. I mean, I don't know. Somebody's going to need to write down what the actual rules are for the end of game, you know, conduct because Jared Allen, the guy that fouled him said like, well, they're still trying. So what we're supposed to just stand there and not do anything. I mean, so if, if the, if the offensive team's trying to score, then the defensive team gets to play defense. And, and I don't, you know, yeah, you don't want to take the guy out, but it, you know, until both teams kind of agree that we're done competing here, I think it's I think pretty much anything's fair game. I, I think you play to the whistle as long as the team that's behind is still acting like there's something to play for, right? I, I don't know how else you sort of fix that. Both coaches need to look at each other and kind of nod their head, and then they need to get five yeah. guys in that never play and close out the game. It just it just absolutely makes no sense whatsoever. Um, about that. Now, I got to close with some uh, a little Pelicans talk. Um, 
You've heard the GM talk about it. You heard some players talk about it, about being available. Um, gotta, gotta get, get yourself in shape. You gotta have the right nutrition, the right exercise, the right hydration. You gotta take care of you Boy, the message has been sent. I think everybody's sick and tired of these injuries to Zion Williamson that end up take what normally should be maybe three weeks ends up being six months. It seems like uh, uh, something's amiss. Right. Yeah. Normally I would cop out and say, well, we don't, you know, we don't know what his actual off court habits are. We don't know, you know, how he's eating, sleeping, rehabbing, all this other stuff. But when the play, when so many people close to him are pointing out that there are issues with whatever you want to call it, fitness, you know, uh, yeah. willingness to, to work hard and rehab, to stay in shape as much as you can with a hamstring. Cause you can't really run. And that's tough, especially for a guy like Zion. But yeah, that's, that feels like a red flag. I would hate, I would just say this. I would hate it if kind of the defining, I don't know, feature of his career is just, well, you know, when he gets on the scale in training camp, what's that number? And can it stay there? You know, I, I would just yeah. hate it if that was how we evaluated Zion going forward. Cause he's so talented, but yeah, I agree. It's just, it's a bad look when the people around you who know what you are or are not doing um, are saying it's a problem. I would reach out. I'd have LeBron. I would have Embiid. I'd have these guys that are big and thick and carry weight. And let, let's figure out what to do. But my gosh, um, it's just absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right. Let's uh, real quick game uh, games tonight. Lakers Grizzlies. Um, don't know about Moran. Who wins tonight? I'm going to go Lakers because I don't know about Morant. I mean, yep. you remember too, the Grizzlies are down a starting center and a backup big and Steven Adams and Brandon Clark. I think if Morant is limited, you, that's just, that's a little too much injury wise for me. Well, that, that Jaron Jackson. <laughs> so good. What a player he is. Um, Heat Bucks questionable for Giannis. If he doesn't play, who you got? If he does play, who you got? I'm going to go Bucks either way because I just can't imagine them falling down uh, 0-2 here to the to the eighth seed. I, I, Giannis, you know, if he plays, I'll give Bucks with a bullet. Otherwise, I'm just kind of hoping. But I, I think the Bucks got to get this one. Is the Nuggets Timberwolves ser series over, or can the the Wolves win one? I don't. Uh, can they win one? <laughs> I mean, if, I, I I think I'd go gentleman sweep. I'd say I'd say Denver in five. I don't think they're getting it tonight. Uh, but yeah. but I, I think the you know the wolves might luck into one at some point here. Last one. Who's got more pressure on them? The Warriors tomorrow night at home or the Kings because the Warriors don't have Draymond Green. One game can turn the whole momentum of a series around. I think the Warriors rally around not having Draymond. Who's the most pressure on? Gotta be the Warriors. They lose this game, okay. the series is over you know, for all intents and purposes. And then they're going into this off season talking about dismantling a dynasty. I think, I think that really is, that doesn't overstate the stakes. The Warriors have all the pressure in this one. I think. Well, I'm with you 100%. Grant Hughes, you are the best. Thank you so much. Enjoy, enjoy the hoops, man. It's the greatest time of the year. If you're an NBA fan, which I know both of us are. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All righty. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and we'll uh, wrap up our Number one.
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. Text RODEO to 337-283-8100. That's RODEO, R-O-D-E-O, to 337-283-8100. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 22nd and April 23rd. You can see all the excitement. Bull riding, wild horse racing, convict poker. Text RODEO to 337-283-8100 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, wrapping up our number one, shout-out to um, Austin Planch, former head coach, basketball coach at Nichols State University. Um, he is joining uh, Nate Oates at Alabama as an assistant coach. So he's leaving a program as a head coach to move up to a Power Five conference school as an assistant coach. Uh, did a fine job at Nichols, and now he's moving on and going to try to catapult um, this move into a bigger time job in college hoops. So uh, good for him on that front. Absolutely. Um, remember Buddy Tevens? Buddy Tevens was the coach at Tulane for football coach at, uh, at Tulane. He went to Dartmouth um, and Buddy Tevens was um, recovering from some traumatic injuries from an accident. Uh, that included the amputation of one of his legs. Uh, Buddy Tevens, one of the nice guys out there. Um, so we wish him nothing, nothing but the best. It's a, uh, oh, it's a terrible, terrible story, a biking accident. And um, yeah, he, he loses his leg. Um, his bicycle was hit by a pickup truck that was going 55, 50 miles per hour last month. His wife announced last evening so his right leg was amputated due due to the severity of the injury he is 66 years young um he was bicycling home from a restaurant in saint augustine florida taking a little vacation um so we wish him nothing but the best one of the good good guys coming up hour number two of the program um the draft is one week and a day away saints have picked number 29 what, what are they going to do with it? Well, we'll talk with our Saints expert, Chris Roseverglue, about that. And then it's always fun with Hump Day with Kuganen as we talk all things college football. That's coming your way after the top of the hour sports update here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. 
Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Hilbert. Hour number two of two, and away we go. We're very, very busy in this hour. My man, man, my main man, my producer, James Mesh, inside the Evco Development Studios, Master Control Suite, Evco Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head west, we're on KL. CJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. NBA playoffs continue tonight. Congratulations to the Raging Cajuns beating number one ranked LSU 8-5 to five in baseball last night. Congratulations to the McNeese women's softball team beating 15th-ranked LSU in softball last night 4-3. to three. Meanwhile, all those following the NFL know that a week from tomorrow, it's the NFL draft. The Saints right now, if they stand pat, have pick number 29, pick number 41 amongst the many that they have. So I thought let's let's talk to my main man um, who does such a great job for us and and in covering the the Saints and the NFL, a writer for the Spun at SI Now, Saints podcaster for Boot Crew Media, the one and only Mr. Chris Roseberglue. It's been a while, Chris. Good afternoon. It has been a while, Jordy. Thank you for having me and excited uh, to talk Saints football with you. Are you one of those mock draft guys? You know, honestly, I'm not as big into it as uh, most NFL people, but I, I'll be honest, uh, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't do a couple of simulations this past week. Okay, um, that's good. I will ask you about that. How many picks do the Saints have? Well, in terms of the full draft, when it came out to, I believe it was around seven or eight, I, I was going through it, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, Jordy, I usually don't keep full count of the Saints picks, and the reason being is the Saints are a little bit – different about how they approach their draft board and what I mean that is they put out you know a certain list of guys that are worth drafting to them and that's why if we um, you know rewind a couple years ago remember when they only left the draft with I believe it was Ruiz, Bond, Troutman and Tommy Stevens were just four picks because the same when they made out their board they thought well all these day three picks don't really match up to what we think value-wise. So why don't we package a couple of those? They moved up and get Bond, and then they moved up and got Troutman. So for me, I think for the Saints, with the amount of needs they have right now, I wouldn't be surprised if they package a couple of those fifth-rounders they have, maybe move up from the seventh round, because I don't know what great value they might get to their board there. But in terms of premium picks, the Saints do have three picks within the top 75 that I'd expect them to take full advantage of. Of those three premium picks... What kind of player do they get? What position player do they get? Yeah, I I mean, there's three positions in mind that I'm looking at. I think for starters, in terms of one of those first two picks, whether it's 29 or 40, or even if they move up from one of those spots, I think you're absolutely looking at the defensive line. I think the defensive line needs some fresh blood, needs a little bit of an impact, whether it's interior or, you know, on the outside. uh, I really don't have a preference about that. I think that there's more interior defensive linemen in terms of depth in this class than there are edge guys that will make a huge difference. Let's say if the Saints were staying at 29, like a Kalijah Kansi from Pitt or even a Mozzie Smith from Michigan, who's been heavily linked to the Saints over the last couple of weeks. And then I think at pick 40, that's an interesting spot because the Saints, if the board shapes out well, they could add an offensive guard. Pete and Ruiz may not be on the team next year. We'll see what happens there. So they could look for the future. 
could add a pass catcher depending on if someone goes down. And I think the the pick in the 70s, and you're looking at that third round spot, I think that's the money spot for running back. Maybe a Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, maybe a hometown kid in Tajay yeah. Spears from Tulane. I think that would be the sweet spot for them to get another weapon offensively and a guy who could fill the void with Jamal Williams when Alvin misses time. Everybody talks about all that that group of quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round. Um, but there's some other quarterbacks down down the road. Um, Duggan from TCU, Stetson Bennett, Georgia, Dorian Thompson, um, who's visiting the Saints apparently today from UCLA. Um, did, did the Saints take a flyer on a quarterback in the fifth, sixth round maybe? You know, I think it depends how the board shakes out. I think, interestingly enough, from what a lot of people have been talking about, it seems like any talk about Stetson Bennett going, even day two, got derailed the last couple of weeks. It's not sure if this is a, a testing process that he that he failed in, whether it's interviews didn't go well, whatever it may be. And I know the Saints are visiting today with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He's a, a fantastic athlete. But I was thinking to myself, does he really fit the mold of what the Saints have brought in at quarterback the last couple of years, uh, and he doesn't. Now, I wouldn't be against the Saints going after him. I actually think that's the perfect type of quarterback you take a flyer on, has gotten better each and every year at UCLA. The potential's there. But if the Saints are going for someone that kind of fits their mold, look, if it's the fifth or sixth round and they do like Stetson Bennett, I, I think that's a guy they could, if they want, take a chance on overall. But I think for New Orleans, they feel pretty good about Derek Carr and where they're at with him for at least the next couple of seasons. But it wouldn't hurt, you know, because after Derek Carr, what's behind him? Yes, for this season, it'd be Jameis Winston. But you'd have to imagine Jameis Winston will be elsewhere after the 2023 season. So if the board shakes out perfectly, I'd say yes. But I'll throw in this. I think a lot of teams, after what happened with the 49ers, may be more prone to taking flyers on a quarterback like they did with with Purdy. Uh, so we'll see if that leads to maybe some guys going earlier than expected. Yeah. How, how do you know? How do you how do you figure it out? If you were uh, the GM of the Carolina Panthers, who would you pick at number one? Yeah. I, I mean, if I'm not trying to sabotage them because obviously I want the Saints best interest, it, it would be Bryce Young. And I, I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this draft. And I think I that agree. the concerns about his stature, I totally get it. I'm not going to dismiss it. And act like if Aaron Donald fell on, you know, Bryce Young with his full weight, I wouldn't, you know, hold my breath to see if he gets up. But when it comes down to the poise he plays with, when it comes down to the overall ability to play the quarterback position, I think he's one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in the last couple of years. I wouldn't go as far to say he's better than Joe Burrow or better than Trevor Lawrence, but he's so talented. And the thing I love about him is his ability to make plays off script and and yeah. every box he checks off. But what I loved is you looked at this past season for Alabama. There was no star receiver like we're accustomed to seeing. It wasn't like back then where Mac Jones had, you know, whether it was Waddle or Devontae Smith or even the years after with Jamison Williams and Mechie, you know, the two seasons ago for Bryce Young. So he worked with less than most Alabama quarterbacks have had, uh, and he thrived. And Nick Saban, the way he speaks about him, uh, he speaks highly of him, I th- I'd say, more than any other quarterback he's had. And, and that, for me, says a lot about him. Three years from now, four years from now, who's going to be the best quarterback out of this draft? So I still, you know, I still think if he stays healthy, it'd have to be Bryce Young. Um, But what I would say would be fascinating to me, and I don't know if he will go there, but I think the idea of Anthony Richardson ending up in Seattle where he can sit a year or two behind Geno Smith, that'd be so intriguing to me because he's the type of guy where I get why people gush over him. I think the talent's there. But I also understand why people are hesitant about him because you can't complete less than 60% of your passes in college 
and year one magically fix it. it the league's harder than it would be in college. So uh, I don't think that's something that changes overnight. But he's the type of guy, if he falls in the right situation, he gets to sit for a year, maybe two years. Uh, he does have all the tools you need to explode, and that's someone I'd be looking at. Um, I, you know, CJ Stroud's an interesting one to me. I don't necessarily love him as much as as much as most people, but I do think there's talent there. Uh, and as for Will Levis, I, I want to know what Will Levis you're getting. Is it Will Levis from 2021 or Will Levis from 2022? Uh, I guess time will tell. But for me, I feel pretty comfortable about it being Bryce right now. And if there's someone who falls in the perfect spot and catches him, then I might give it to Anthony Richardson. Chris Rose will glue with us. Um, when the Saints get to number 29, do they go for the best player available? Do they go for a specific position player? What, what do you think they do? Because they, they, I mean, they got a lot of weapons. But if if the best player still, let's say it's a tight end, who's the best player on their board? Do they go? Do they go get him, or do they say no? We need that defensive lineman. Yeah, look, I actually, it's something that I've been battling. I, I told you about those simulations I was doing, and there was a couple the other day where I was sitting there, and, you know, the premium defensive linemen weren't there. And I'm thinking for the Saints, if they don't trade up, let's say they're staying at, they're staying at 29 like you mentioned, I, I do think taking, you know, a Dalton Kincaid from Utah or even a Michael Mayer from, from Notre Dame or even go to the running back spot if somehow B. John Robinson is there at 29 – uh, I think the Saints have to take that guy, and they're a team that has operated under the best player available uh, mantra for the last couple of years. And I'll say this about New Orleans. You invested in Derek Carr. You brought back Michael Thomas. You re-signed Jawan Johnson. You brought in Jamal Williams. I think this defense needs help. Don't, don't get me wrong about it. But if you're sitting there at 29 and a guy who you have ranked in the top 20s there, and it's either that or reach on a player who you think you might be able to get at 40 – then I'm taking that offensive player at 29, and I'm saying, yeah. all right, I gave you the pieces, Derek Carr. Now it's time for you to make it work. And I think that's where they would go in that regard. Right. And I also think Derek Carr's history with tight ends would make me sit there and go, all right, if it is Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer at, at 29, I, I would take them, and I would I would think they would flourish in New Orleans. People that really analyze the Saints always say, you can tell Jeff Ireland's history what the Saints – you can – Kind of predict what they're going to do. I haven't figured it out. What is so? What is, what is Jeff Ireland's thought process? Yeah, what he loves is their athletic scores and the the overall testing of it. And a lot of the guys that the Saints take, they rank either you know a nine or higher in that relative athletic score. And it's kind of been something that they've done in recent years, where almost every pick kind of fits in that bill. And that's why people think they're starting to develop a trend. But that's one of them for sure. I'd say another trend that New Orleans has had is something we just recently talked about is they don't stray away from their board. And I remember last year in the second round when the Saints took Alante Taylor, a lot of people were like, well, you know, what's the fit there? I mean, the Saints just had Paulson Adebo break out. They already had Lattimore. You know, at the time they had Garner Johnson. So where did he fit? But there were two things that he hit. He was high up on their board than most prospects. And he did crazy well in the relative athletic score. And I think for New Orleans, they really value those type of athletes because they feel like they can mold them to what they want in their vision. So uh, that's why earlier when I mentioned guys like Kalijah Cansey from Pitt, the height might not be there, but the athletic score is something that is in that Saints category. And and that's why guys like him, guys like Mozzie Smith, uh, they're interesting prospects for the Saints because not only would they fill a need, but they're probably higher up on their board than most. And they also check off that box of being freak athletes. 
excuse me when I my ignorance when you say athletic score is that how run they how fast they run the forty how high they jump how they do the cone drill how, what what comes it's, into that yeah, it's everything you know the forty yard dash the three cone drill the the broad jump the vertical jump everything kind of factored into it now okay. it doesn't always hit because I can tell you from now uh, you know guys like Zach Bond were exceptional athletes and the Saints haven't been able to kind of fit them into what they want but uh, we've seen a lot of teams in the past couple of years that, that's been a big thing for them kind of a cumulative score of all their athletic results on this closing note with the 29th pick in the 2023 NFL draft the New Orleans Saints select I'm gonna go with Mozzie Smith from Michigan I, I just think that there's been a lot of rumblings and I think this time of the year last year we heard a lot of rumblings about Trevor Penning to the Saints. Almost every single mock draft, every single analyst was saying, look at Trevor Penning, look at the Saints, and okay. that's what ended up happening. So I'm going to stick with that for now, but it wouldn't surprise me if New Orleans tries to move up if the right prospect's there. Let's do it again next week before the draft, and we'll see if Chris has uh, changed his ways a little bit. But uh, thanks for the intel. It's always great, man. You're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Jordy. Chris Roseverglue, he is uh, dynamic at his craft. He really is. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back. It's uh, time for Hump Day with Huguenin. Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, is your home for the McNeese Coaches Show, presented by Mr. Bill's Seafood Express, Southwest Beverage Company, Line of Bed out of Westlake, and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Tune in tonight, starting at 6, as host Jim Gazzolo will be talking all things cowboy-related. Hey, Will Wade's been quiet. How's that portal working, Will? I want to hear about it. Well, you can hear it all right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the McNeese Coaches Show. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're going to no longer with on3.com. He's kind of in a semi-retirement, but uh, good for him. I'm jealous. Wish I could do that, but uh, glad to have you, my friend. How is life? Uh, going well. Um, it, it, this is a weird time of the year for sports fans. Um, you know, college baseball, obviously a big deal in the Southeast, college softball, but um, yeah. the, the basketball transfer portal is making things interesting, and the football transfer portal is back open. So I think there's going to be a handful of guys um, that go into the portal for football that can make an impact this fall. Uh, but it's I think if you're you know oh you know if you're a team that needs a star player oh we can get one from the portal in April uh, that ain't going to happen I don't think. Yeah, we'll see. All the a lot of spring games ended last weekend. LSU's having their spring game this weekend. That's when coaches have to hold their breath, I would think, and see. Um, okay, um, I didn't play Johnny over there too much. Maybe he he's going to want to leave, and, and then you have to just wait and see. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the that's the that's the thing. I think most of the guys 
the vast majority, uh, let's say 90% of the guys who transfer in this two-week open window, I think are going to be guys who realize I am not going to play uh, as much as I think I should. I'm second team or third team or whatever. And, uh, you know, unless you're a middling group of five program, I, uh, you know, those kind of guys, I don't care if they're transferring from Power 5 schools, those guys aren't going to come in and be stars. Um, there was a transfer yesterday from, from TCU, the, the Hudson kid who's a wide receiver, not a good fit for the new TCU offense. I think if Garrett Riley were there, Hudson would still be there. But they brought in Kendall Bryles, um, you know, running deep routes isn't as important. Um, and it's, you know, being able to do stuff in space, that, that's not Hudson's um, strength. He is a really good route runner and, and can get deep. But, you know, he, he can help a team, but, again, uh, he, he's not going to come in and be a star. And I think, again, the vast majority of transfers who are going to make huge impacts, those are the guys who went into the portal in December. Yeah, Michael Huguenowitz. I was curious. Um, there's a bunch of SEC quarterbacks uh, entering into the NFL draft a week from tomorrow. Uh, Bryce Young from Alabama, Will Levis from Kentucky, Anthony Richardson from Florida, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee, Stetson Bennett, Georgia. If if I asked you, um, is there a surefire star amongst that group? I, I on the don't next think level? so. No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I'd be afraid to take Levis. I'd be afraid to take Richardson. Um, Richardson is an incredible athlete, but he's not anything close to a finished product. If you're taking Anthony Richardson, I think you're going to have to wait two years yeah. to yeah. truly start seeing a return on your investment. Will Levis, uh, I think he's a, he's a guy who's he's got some arm talent and he's more athletic than you think, but he's just not accurate and is not going to be very accurate in the NFL. Bryce Young I'm afraid of because he's so small. Um, yeah. You know, Kyler Murray is small, but Kyler Murray is jet quick. I don't think of Bryce Young as being that way. I, I'd be afraid that Bryce Young gets taken in half uh, on, on some sacks. And Hendon Hooker, uh, I think he can be a solid NFL quarterback, but he's also coming off an ACL. So that there's a there's a risk taking him just because of the just because of the ACL. So I don't think any of these guys are surefire NFL stars. Hooker had not gotten hurt with the season they were having. Could he have been a potential number one overall pick? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think he doesn't fit as many um, teams. He's not a traditional drop-back passer, and I get the fact that the NFL finally is moving away from that. But he's also not nearly as athletic as Anthony Richardson. I don't think his arm strength is as good as Will Levis. I don't think he's as heady as Bryce Young. Now, if, if, you know, if Bryce Young were 6'3", 230, I'd take Bryce Young first and say in three years this guy is going to be an all-pro. But Bryce Young is not even six feet, and he weighs about, what, 185. So that, that is scary to me. Richardson, I think, does have the potential to be something. Again, it's going to take a while. And Levis, I just don't think Will Levis is that good. Michael Huguenin, kind enough to join us. Um, if you would pick uh, between the two, uh, Jalen Carter, 
the defensive lineman from Georgia, or Will Anderson, the linebacker from Alabama, who would you pick? Oh, man. You know, Jalen Carter went to high school about 15 minutes from where I live. Um, Apopka, which is an Orlando suburb. Uh, I know a couple guys who covered him in high school, and they're like, this kid is just the greatest kid. He was all, always a really dominant player. And then you have that incident that happened in, in December. Uh, sorry, in January. So uh, I think there are some red flags there with Jalen Carter. And Will Anderson is a pure pass rusher. Um, all things being equal, I think Jalen Carter's a better player. But uh, there are a couple things with Jalen Carter that are a little bit worrisome. Uh, and I think Will Anderson, given the NFL's thirst for guys who can wreak havoc off the edge, uh, I think Anderson's going before Carter. I think if Carter had not been involved in that fatal car accident, and I know, you know, he left the scene and all that kind of stuff. I think if if that had not happened, and that's this sounds a little bit crass in a way, if that had not happened, I think he would would have been potentially a second pick in the draft. But I don't yeah. think he's going number two now because I think there are some issues with Carter. Again, everybody that I know who has dealt with the kid. Raves about him. Um, it's just a yeah unfortunate situation because Jalen Carter cost himself a ton of money. Mike Huguenin, kind enough to join us. Um, I don't know if you saw some spring games, but I'm sure you read into it or whatever. I'm curious as to your thoughts on Alabama and what you saw or heard uh, from their spring game. They need a quarterback, obviously. Uh, they need some wide receivers, obviously. You know they're always going to be good defensively. they got two new coordinators. What's the word coming out of Tuscaloosa? Yeah, I think there's there's optimism, as there always is at Alabama, because the roster, top to bottom, is, frankly, as good as almost anybody's. But mm-hmm. you brought up the quarterback situation and the wide receiver situation. Um, and, and, you you know, if, if you lose Bryce Young, you're going to take a step back. Okay, that's, that's a given. I think the wide receiver issue is the more puzzling one. Um, they've recruited well at wide receiver, going by the recruiting rankings. But interest, interesting to me, at least, is, you know, Jamison Williams two years ago was a stud. He was a transfer. They have yeah. not developed a wide receiver. Um, yeah. You know, Jermaine Burton came in last year, another transfer. Um, Devontae mm-hmm. Smith won the Heisman and was a guy developed by Alabama. But um, uh, the wide receiver situation is a little bit more puzzling to me um, than quarterback. Because, again, I think the quarterback, you're not going to replace Bryce Young easily. And I'm not sure that the guys they have that are going to replace Bryce Young are all that good anyway. But the receiving core, um, that's the thing that if Alabama does not win the SEC West again, um, I think the receiving core is going to be the reason because the lack of a proven stud receiver, they don't have one. And that's a little bit surprising to me. Michael Huguenin with us. Um, what's happening at Auburn? What are you hearing about with Hugh Freeze and um, and and how he's acclimating himself there and how players are reacting to him? Because that's going to be a whole different scenario than what they've had in the past. Yeah, I think that he needs a quarterback still. Uh, he has not been quiet about the fact that 
you know, this this is an issue for us. And I, again, I don't think Cam Newton's walking through that door anytime soon for Auburn. Right. Um, I, yeah. I think Hugh Freeze will be a lot different than Brian Harson on a lot of levels. He understands what the SEC is about. He understands the importance of recruiting. And I think Harson, yeah, you got to recruit if you're in the SEC. I get that. I don't think Harson truly understood until he got there. I also don't think he truly understood the amount of pressure that an SEC football coach faces until he was, man, maybe his first week on the job. Because the first couple of days when a new coach, you're, you're finding your way. But my, uh, my assumption is that about a weekend, Harson was like, my God, this is not what I thought it was going to be. This is even more intense. And that's not going to be an issue for Freeze. I think they're going to be much more wide open than they were on offense uh, under Harson. But again, you look at the quarterback situation for, for Auburn. If you're an Auburn opponent, you look at Auburn's quarterbacks and you're like, who cares? The, yeah. Neither one of these guys scares us. You're worried about their running backs a little bit, um, and the defense is going to be fine. But, my goodness, the lack of proven skill position talent. And, yes, you freeze the way he coaches, the way he coaches offense. There's going to be guys that emerge. But I'll be honest, right. you look at Auburn's roster and nobody on that offense truly scares you that much. He is uh, Mike Hugan. Let's take a quick timeout when we come back. Um, is it time for Billy Napier to head back to the portal to find a quarterback? That's never a good thing, but that's what people are saying. We'll get Mike's opinion when we return after this. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device. That helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, so many games, but you can't win until you actually start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon. Try their true soul food deli. Uh, the best cheeseburger I've ever had. And by Cajun Chef. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with all of the Cajun Chef products. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We're back with uh, Mike Huguenin. We call it Hump Day with Huguenin. Favorite uh, day of the week for me. Favorite guest of the week for me not lying about that we've done it a long long time um whether fair or not fair mike there's a lot of pressure in gainesville on billy napier and um according to reports he's got to find him a quarterback because neither graham mertz the transfer from wisconsin or jack miller yeah not exactly floating the boat as they say what do you, you know, think and I, you know i've made fun of graham mertz for a couple of years on your show every time we talked about wisconsin it was like their offense is it's pitiful they win because of defense and mertz i think he is going to start if they don't get another quarterback but he is extremely limited he's not accurate um now florida should have a really good running game 
the caveat being that at some point, you know, with anybody, you load up the stop the run until the opposing quarterback shows he can right. complete simple passes. And last year, that was one of the knocks on Anthony Richardson. He didn't even complete – he completed less than 55% of his passes. Florida, as the season progressed, found it tougher and tougher to run. Now, Mertz, I, I, you know, I, I think he's more accurate than, than Richardson, but he is not a 60%. He's never thrown for six – he's never completed 60% of his passes. I don't know if he can. Um, Florida's offense is in, yeah, it's going to be in flux until Mertz shows he can do something. And, yeah, you know, I, I live in Florida. I'm a Florida alum. And, you know, not, not that anybody on a message board is intelligent because the vast majority are not. But, you know, they, you read message boards around the country for teams that need quarterbacks or just go into the portal and get one. Well, the best quarterback currently in the portal is Chance Nolan from Oregon State, who was beaten out last year. So yeah. it's, it's not a good situation if you need a quarterback at this point. There are, you know, there's a, there's a couple linemen in there, receiver, a DB, you know, linebacker. But if you want a quarterback, yeah, they're, they're really, I'll be honest, I don't think, I'm a huge Sam Hartman fan, did not fit every team. And I think he was by far the best quarterback in the portal. So yeah. uh, if you're Florida and you're Billy Napier, you are, I think, sort of gritting your teeth and going, oh, my goodness, this might be the guy we have to go with. Um, interestingly, Florida has a commitment in the 2025 class from a quarterback, Austin Simmons. He just finished – or he's getting ready to finish his sophomore year of high school, but he could reclassify because he technically – already has enough credits to graduate. Indeed, he is already taking college credits, which is one of the wow. few good things about the state of Florida educational system. You're allowed to dual enroll while you're in high school. Um, yeah. So there, there, is some quite, there is some talk that Austin Simmons may reclassify, but you're talking about a kid who is a sophomore in high school right now, and the idea that he's going to reclassify and be the savior is ludicrous. So it's going to be interesting to see how Napier handles the quarterback situation going forward. Maybe a big-time quarterback surprises everybody and enters because there are a couple quarterbacks out there who um, are not going to start at their school. I think that's been made obvious by spring, and they're probably better than Graham Mertz. But can Florida get one of those? We're going to find out. Ole Miss has – Three of them. They're not all going to play. Somebody's going to leave, I would think. We'll see. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, um, Arkansas relies on K.J. Jefferson a whole lot. He's 6'3", 250. Took a lot of hits. Got hurt a lot. Kendall Browles has left and has gone to TCU. Dan Enos is now the offensive coordinator running the offense. Does that help K.J. Jefferson more? Yeah, I think – Jefferson will not be asked to carry as high a percentage of the running game. The one aspect that's interesting, they have Jacoby Criswell is a transfer from North Carolina. You talk to people at Carolina, and they're like, yeah, Drake May was awesome last year, but it truly was a quarterback controversy last summer when Drake May won the job. Now, Criswell is in Arkansas. Uh, native, I think he's from a town called Moralton. I don't even know where that is. Um, but he gives Arkansas a 
a really good backup. He'll be the guy who takes over next year. But I think the irony is, as you pointed out, I don't think they're going to ask Jefferson to run quite as much. Um, right. Now, Enos is coming from Maryland where they threw the heck out of the ball. Well, Talia Tagliavailoa is a better thrower than K.J. Jefferson. I think Enos will try to make K.J. Jefferson a better passer. Um, but, I, the, but the bottom line is I don't think K.J. Jefferson is going to be asked to run quite as much as he did last year. What's Will Rogers going to look like? Uh, Kevin Barbe didn't come to Mississippi State to run the Mike Leach offense. What's that going to look like? That's Yeah, Mississippi State um, is, I think, the biggest mystery team in the SEC. Um, Leach's offense did cause problems for a lot of teams, though there were weekends where you'd watch Mississippi State and you're like, they're not going to get anything this week because that defense is prepared for them. They know what they're doing. They're not going to let anybody get wide open. They're not going to let the ball get thrown over their heads. Will Rogers, you know, I don't know. He's not considered a high-level NFL prospect. Um, I was a little bit surprised that he did not transfer um, because I think Will Rogers is best in a – air raid kind of offense, and they're not going to be an air raid kind of offense. The flip side of that, maybe Will Rogers is thinking, well, one reason I'm not a, is not a great NFL prospect is NFL teams want to see me run a more, quote-unquote, traditional offense, and that's what I'm going to do this year. So that, that is going to be an interesting situation in Mississippi State. Um, you know, their, their lead running back left to go to Washington, not that he was used that much anyway. I don't know what kind of, you know, how good their running backs are going to be. I spoke earlier about Auburn's lack of proven playmakers. Mississippi State's got a, a few proven guys, but they're not proven in this kind of offense. So that's going to be a wildly interesting uh, experiment in a lot of ways for, for Mississippi State this fall. Uh, Mike Huguenin with us. The Grove Bowl took place, and I don't think Ole Miss has figured out who their quarterback's going to be. Is it going to be Oklahoma State transfer Spencer Sanders, LSU transfer Walker Howard, or last year starter Jackson Dart? Um, your guess is as good as mine. Who do you think? Yeah, I think I think Walker Howard is next year's starting quarterback, as in 2024. I think he's going to okay. sit this year and learn and – slide easily into that job. Hard for me to believe that Spencer Sanders, who was a four-year starter at Oklahoma State, was the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2021, transferred somewhere where he's going to sit. But you do talk to certain people. They're like, well, you know, don't count Dart out. Don't count Dart out. Well, I watched Jackson Dart play last year. I'm counting Jackson Dart out. I would be shocked if it's not Spencer Sanders' job. Now, Spencer Sanders unquestionably took a big step back last year. I think part of that, though, was the Oklahoma State running game was not very good. He had to take on more responsibility and suffered under that. Ole Miss has good running back. Um, they got solid receivers. Their line's going to be fine. Again, I, I, again I, I find it extremely difficult to believe that Spencer Sanders transferred to Ole Miss without knowing he would be the starter. That's why I said the same thing about LSU. Why would Jaden Daniels leave that place to come to LSU if they didn't give him the wink in the night right. and say, dude, you're, you're our guy? And it turned out that's exactly what it was. And Jaden Daniels proved last year that with better coaching, he, yep. he people forget he was a top 100 national recruit who started right away as a true freshman at Arizona yep. State and played pretty well. 
But then the last two years he was at Arizona State was, you know, controversy-filled seasons because yeah. of Herm Edwards and the NCA. I don't think that the offense or I don't think the offense specifically was coached all that well. I think last year he got with a coach who understood this is what he, this guy can do really well. We're going to let him do that. Uh, and it paid off with an SEC West title. Um, and I think Walker Howard, again, I think Walker Howard is going to be the, the guy at Ole Miss starting in 2024. I just cannot fathom that Spencer Sanders uh, is not going to be the starter this fall for Ole Miss. Is Jaden Daniels the best quarterback in the SEC coming back, or is there somebody else? I think, yeah, you know, I think you can make the case. Yeah, he is. I'm not a huge Spencer Rattler fan. Um, he's, you know, he played well at the end of the season. First eight games, he was horrible. Horrible. Um, And, you know, the one thing about Spencer Rattler, he lost his starting job in Lincoln Riley's offense. That's the most quarterback-friendly offense in the nation, and Spencer Riley couldn't handle it. I mean, Spencer Rattler couldn't handle it. So I'm not a Spencer Rattler fan. I think he's okay. Um, you know, Joe Milton at Tennessee has lost two starting jobs. Uh, Will Rogers, who knows how good he's going to be, new offense. K.J. Jefferson with a new um, offensive coordinator at Arkansas. I think Jaden Daniels, yeah, I think he is the best returning quarterback in the SEC. Mm-hmm. We'll see uh, how LSU handles. They went from nowhere, right. no expectations, and that's be right. and now. Brian Kelly is an experienced coach, and that helps. Yep. But the players are the ones who have to – handle the they're the hunted now they're not hunting anybody anymore they're everybody's hunting them and last year i think they did sneak up on teams um including alabama but they ain't sneaking up on anybody this year but i also think this year's team is going to be better than last year's team um if no up for no other reason than the two starting offensive tackles go from being true freshmen to being sophomores who started as true freshmen going to be more experienced So, and I think Jaden Daniels last year, as the season progressed, he got a little bit better almost each week. Uh, I think he's primed for a big-time season. I'm with you, Mike Hugan, and uh, kind of just join us. Uh, one last thing. Are you buying stock in Texas A&M this year? Mm, well, I guess it depends on how cheap the stock is um, <laughs> because – I fully bought into them last year, and like many, was left with egg on my face. I don't think they'll be as bad as they were last year, but I'm also not thinking they're going to contend for the SEC West title. Um, I think this is a 9-3 team at best. Um, 8-4 I think is is logical, and I think if they go 6-6 or worse that he's fired I don't care how much the buyout is, and I'm not sure he survives a 7-5 season either, just because, yes, it would cost a lot to get rid of him, but at what point do you realize this guy ain't going to get it done here? He's had six years, or five years, let's move on. I mean, Petrino takes over? No, no, no way, no way, no way. (laughs) But um, it is going to be interesting to see how Fisher and Petrino – coexist on a weekly basis. Um, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the offensive meeting rooms um, this spring. Yeah. You and me, you and me both, man. You and me both. Um, we'll see. Kim Mulkey did a lot of coaches a disservice, man. She, she won a national championship in her second year. 
Um, and now everybody's like, oh, Lord, now all the pressure's on. You know what I mean? All the pressure's on. If she can do it, I'm expected to do it. That, that's, yeah. and oof, I think that's the tough. transfer portal, she did a good, good, great job in the portal, and the portal yeah. allows you to make over your team quickly in basketball. I think it puts a lot more pressure on a heck of a lot more basketball coaches this year, no question. Yeah, I'm with you. <clears throat> uh, poor Matt McMahon at LSU. Yeah. He's got a he, – he, he's hitting it hard, but I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's got some good players. I don't know if he's got that good of players yet. Um, so, so we shall see, we shall see anything else. Um, stri- well, tell me about Florida state real quick. What are you hearing about them? And uh, what, uh, how good are they going to be next year? I think they're the best team in the, in the ACC because I believe in Jordan Travis more than I believe in Kate Klubnik. Though Klubnik does have, Garrett Riley's as offensive coordinator, and the whole Clemson situation is going to be fascinating because Dabo went outside the Clemson family to hire a new OC. Um, But FSU's got a lot of key players back, and Norvell, you know, you know, Kiffin, the Portal King, and all that kind of stuff. Mike Norvell's the Portal King man. Um, He has done a phenomenal job in the portal. He got a one of the best defensive linemen in the portal, Braden Fisk from Western Michigan. Got one of the best offensive linemen from the portal, Jeremiah Byers. Might have gotten the best corner in the portal in Fentrell Cypress. Got Daryl Jackson, a starting defensive tackle at Miami. He now is at FSU. Um, Norvell has a really good team. I still think, though, uh, the LSU FSU game is going to be a tremendous. It's the best off. It's the best non-conference game of the year. It comes in week one. I still have questions about the uh, the FSU defense. Specifically, I'm not a huge believer in their linebackers. Um, I think their secondary will be better. I think their defensive line is going to be really, really good. But I think their linebackers are exploitable. And my presumption is that the LSU offensive coaches are already game planning stuff for the first week of the season to try to exploit FSU's linebackers because I think that's where FSU's defense can be exploited, their linebackers. That's why he's the best in the business. Michael Huguenin, um, you're the best, man. Let's keep this thing going now just because you're in semi-retirement. I'm not giving up on you. All right, cool. I appreciate it. Talk to you next week then. Thanks, man. You got it. Mike Huguenin with us here. Hump Day with Huguenin. We'll take a time out. Back to wrap things up next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's another twofer. Two for one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today you can get a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50. That's a $15 voucher, and you will get it for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com to get a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back 54 minutes after the hour. Um, you know when a baseball pitcher leaves the mound, he, he, 
the the home plate umpire meets him and checks his glove and all that kind of stuff. Well, um, New York Mets ace Max Scherzer was ejected from this afternoon's game against the L.A. Dodgers after the umpires examined his glove and pitching hand following the third inning. It was the second time Scherzer was inspected in the game. The umpires had him swap out his glove for a new one an inning earlier. Uh, the television broadcast showed what appeared to be Scherzer yelling, it's rosin, it's rosin, at home plate umpire Phil Cuzzy and crew chief Dan Bellino immediately prior to the ejection. Um, so they thought they had some sticky stuff on him, and uh, players ejected for foreign substances automatically receive a 10-game suspension. So it, to be clear, it's still unknown whether Scherzer was ejected for having a foreign substance on his person or another reason entirely. It's possible he was ejected for arguing excessively. We haven't gotten an update on that one, but uh, the foreign substance ban, oh, the old Phil Necro rule um, is in effect and in high-fying form. So, uh, yeah, a special thanks to our guest today. Grant Hughes was terrific Terrific. Talking about the NBA playoffs, which resume again tonight. Um, three big games, three more big games. Um, Chris Rosevaglue on his thoughts about the New Orleans Saints and the upcoming draft, which was, uh, which is one week from tomorrow. Saints need to hit on three of them. I don't care after that. I, I don't care. Three impact players. Boom. Three of them. So we'll see about that. And, of course, Mike Huguenin, who joins us each and every Wednesday. Tomorrow, um, the Schwab, Frank Schwab, will join us. Uh, we'll talk more about the NFL draft. Um, who's going to go number one? Is Aaron Rodgers ever going to be become a uh, a New York Jet? You know, what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson? They sign OBJ. Uh, is he going to stay there now? Um, and what does the deal from Jalen Hurts do? to affect Lamar Jackson, uh, all these things. And uh, the Schwab will dictate that. We'll uh, recap the NBA playoffs, preview some LSU, uh, some some baseball games coming up, Major League Baseball as well, and the first round of the Zurich Classic tomorrow. So it'll be, it'll be a fun day as it always is. So um, today is your birthday, April 19th. Happy birthday from all of us to all of you. What a great player for the Pittsburgh Steelers, known for his hair. Roy Palomalu is 42 years old today and a beautiful tennis player, won five majors. Maria Sharapova is 36 years old today. Um, come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great station, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners. They make it possible each and every day. Until next time, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Health, that's the key. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Life's too short. Um, up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Have a great day, everybody. So long.